Blessed are those who mourn. That might sound strange, but mourning is like sadness. And, um, well, I wonder, uh, why don't we talk with one another for a moment or two. Uh, When was the last time that you were sad? What were you sad about? Now, it could be that you were sad about something like an ice cream. You know, when you're on holiday and you see an ice cream on the floor and it's just... It's just really sad. Or, or perhaps when you, uh, when you get to, um, when you get to a, a play park and, and the swings are all wound up above the, above the top of the thing. They've wound up in their chain. I find that really sad. Uh, it might be that actually you're sad about something that's even more sad. Maybe you've got a friend who's poorly uh, at the moment. And that is a, a sad thing. It might be that the last thing that you're really sad about actually is something that's so sad that you don't really want to talk about it at the moment. And that's okay. Please don't feel that you've got to talk about uh, all the saddest of things. But what was, wh- when was the last time that you were sad? And what were you sad about? Just with the people next to you, for up to one minute, just a quick chat. When was the last time that you were sad? Okay, if I can interrupt you for a moment there. You might think, why are we talking about this at church? Why would we ask that? Well, because mourning mourning and sadness are are, are very linked together. We're going to continue, as I said earlier, our series in the Beatitudes. Now remember, as we look at the Beatitudes, as Claire so helpfully told us last week, they're not things that we do to make us right with Jesus. It's not like that at all. Our Beatitudes are things that describe Jesus' character... And therefore, as we love Jesus, they'll begin to describe our characters uh, as well. And so I'm going to ask Anna to come out. She's going to read us the first two Beatitudes. So this is um, Matthew uh, Matthew 5, verse 3 to 4, and it's on your server sheet. Um, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You take a seat. Oh, apparently. Rachel has developed actions. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, this is, this is great. I'll, I'll let you and Mel compare notes, and, uh, and, and we'll, we'll see about the, those actions, and that, that'll be great. Um, great. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. What does mourning look like? Let's have a bit of a think about that. Um, and... Um, Let's think about that just for a second or two as, as we think, is it sadness? Is it something more than that? Does it depend on what we're mourning about? What is mourning? Oh, hello. Hi, Ben. Hey, Spike. It's really good to see you. Uh, what, what, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm, I'm so sad. Oh, you're, you're, you're sad. That's, that's sad. What, what happened? Well, when I woke up, I hit my knee ah, getting out of my bed. And, and then my little brother, he ate all the Cocoa Pops for breakfast. So we got in a fight, which I feel bad about. And then I saw my little sister rip up my new magazine and my goldfish died 
Oh. It has been an awful day so far. Oh. Oh. Oh, poor Spike. That is that is is really sad, isn't it? Do you know what happened to Spike is is sad, and, and that's what mourning means. It means being sad. And there are lots of sad things that happen in our life, aren't there? There's, there's lots of sad things that happen in the world. Uh, and the Bible, it actually tells us why. It tells us why there are sad things uh, that happen uh, in the Bible. Uh, you see, when the world was first made, it was made to be beautiful. It still is very beautiful, isn't it? But it was made without all of the sad things. Uh, and there was Adam and Eve, and they were there in the garden... But Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Some of of us, we know this story really well. Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God. Uh, They sinned. Uh, And do you know what sin means? It's three letters. S-I-N-A. And we can think of it like this. Sin is shove off God. I'm in charge. No to your ways. Shove off God. I'm in charge. No to your ways. In fact, can you do that with me? Sin, S-I-N, S-I-N-A. Shove off God. I'm in charge. No to your ways. And that's what Adam and Eve did, didn't they? God said, you can eat of any tree in the garden. And Adam and Eve said, shove off God. I'm in charge. No to your ways. I'm going to eat what I want. I want to be like you and... Because of that, it spoilt God's perfect world. And all of a sudden, we now live in a world that's beautiful still, and yet there are things like wars and earthquakes and sickness and death. You see, sin is still a big problem for us. And it's right for us to feel sad about things being broken. It's right for us to be sad about the things that we were talking about earlier, um, like when Spike felt bad about fighting with his brother. You see, it's right to feel bad about the world being broken, but it's also right to feel sad about our own sin. The times when we read the Bible and we say, shove off God, I'm in charge, no to your ways. And God says that we must repent of our sins. We must say sorry uh, to God. And that means saying sorry, it means asking forgiveness uh, and asking for him to help us to change. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Those who mourn their own sin to start out with. And that's a bit of a tricky one, isn't it? Because, boys and girls, when were you last sad that you'd done something wrong and you weren't caught? When were you sad about doing something wrong? Not because you were caught, but because you'd done something wrong. And here's the thing, grown-ups, it's easy sometimes when we're in an all-age service to think we're just talking to the young ones. When, when did we last mourn our sin? When did you last mourn for your own sin? Not just the consequences of it, but in front of a God who is good, saying, I want to do things my way. It's tricky because it means admitting that we're sinful, we get things wrong, Um, but it also means loving God more than loving whatever that little idol is that we've fallen for, loving God more than my popularity. 
It's tricky, isn't it? Blessed are those who mourn. And so that's one of the reasons why each week as we come to church, one of the things that we do is we say sorry to God uh, for the things that we've done wrong. Uh, Not in order to earn his forgiveness, uh, but to help us recognise that sin hurts us and sin is something that we mourn. Uh, And we're going to do that, we're going to use a prayer that I'm just going to read through and just explain some of the words as we go through and then we'll pray it together. So if we could pop it up on the screen, Chris, uh, our prayer of confession. It says this, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father... We have sinned against you. What's sin? Sin is? Yeah, we've sinned against you. Well done. And against our neighbour, that's other people around us. In thought, what we've thought about. In, in word and what we've said. And indeed, what we've done. Through negligence. That means through not really thinking about what we're doing. Through weakness. That means when we know something's wrong, but we just can't stop ourselves through our own deliberate faults. That's sometimes when we look at something and think, I'm going to choose to do the wrong thing. We're truly sorry and repent of our sins. That's turning, asking God for forgiveness. And for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us on the cross, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life. That means please let us serve you in a new life, in a life that mourns sin and loves you to the glory of your name, to Jesus' glory. And that's the prayer that we're going to pray. So if you're able to pray that with me, let's pray this prayer together. Cornerstone. You take a seat. And uh, we thought, haven't we, that sometimes... Uh, We are sad because of our own sin, but sometimes we're sad because of the brokenness of the world around us. But both of those times, Jesus is one who can comfort us. So I'd like you to listen out in our next reading as Anna reads it, for how does Jesus comfort a lady whose brother has very sadly died? So in John 11, from verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along, all, come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Thanks so much, Anna. That's a t-
time when often we are very sad, aren't we? When we have those around us who, who've died. And it's a very sad thing. Uh, there is Mary and her brothers died and she is sad. But Jesus comforts her. Now, he does it in, in two ways. Uh, we read the shortest verse in the Bible um, just a moment ago. Did, did, he, did he see it? Jesus wept. But that's a, a huge, a huge verse, isn't it? Those two words, Jesus wept. Jesus sees the brokenness of the world and he weeps. I want to do a true or false with you. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Um, in an average year, how many tears does an average person cry? Is it more than a whole bottle of Coke's worth of tears? You think it's more or less? Show me on your hands. More or less than a whole bottle of Coke? A few people saying less, and a few people saying more. It is more than a bottle of Coke. In fact, it is more than 30 bottles of Coke. Apparently, uh, in an average year, we produce 68 litres of tears. Now, there are three different types of tears. Uh, there are some tears that we create that are um, to keep our eyes kind of wet, essentially, so that we can move them around so that the world doesn't get in our eyes. Uh, that, that's one type of tear. Um, there's another type of tear uh, that, we, that we produce when you're cutting onions. You know when you're cutting onions? You get that's the other type of tears. But then there's a third type of tear as well. Uh, and that one, is, the jury's out, but most scientists think that, that humans are the only ones who produce this type of tear. And it's emotional tears. The type that we cry when we're happy and we watch a film. And it's a happy rom-com and we cry, or at least I do, um, or when we're sad. And here, Jesus sees people who are weeping. He sees the brokenness of the world and he cries those emotional tears. And that's important. And it's important for all of us, but perhaps especially for you boys and girls. Jesus shows us that it is a right reaction to the world being broken for us to cry. Crying is a good thing for us to do when we see the brokenness of the world. And sometimes what we need is not people coming to us with lots of answers, it's somebody coming alongside us and crying with us. And do you know what Jesus does to Mary and to her sister as they cry over, uh, over their brother? We're told twice in verse 33, he was deeply moved. And then in verse 38, he was deeply moved. He cries with them. Grown-ups, that means Jesus validates your tears. It means that when you weep over this world, that Jesus also weeped over the brokenness of this world. We don't have a God who doesn't know us. But we've got a God who understands what it is. But he doesn't just do that. He goes on. So he, he weeps with her, but he also then goes on and he does something else. Can anyone remember, what did he go on to do? I'm thinking particularly young ones. What did he go on to do? Did he just cry and then leave? Sophie, go on. 
Yeah, he made Lazarus alive again. Jesus, he stands in front of the tombs and he says, Lazarus, come out. There's a, a, wonderful, there's a wonderful thing in one of the books I was reading uh, that says, if Jesus had forgotten to say Lazarus at that point, all of the graves would have come out. I, I don't know if that's true, but it's, it's lovely. He says, Lazarus, come out. And, and Lazarus, somebody who was dead, walks out of the tomb. And that's amazing, isn't it? Jesus cries about the brokenness of the world and he fixes the brokenness of the world. Now, for some of us, we're thinking that's all very good, but what about when the brokenness doesn't feel very fixed here and now? What about when my friend dies and he doesn't come back to life? You know, do you know, Jesus, as he says this, one of the reasons I think he is deeply moved is because if you're, if you're reading in, in your Bibles or on your apps, you'll see that the very next heading... As Jesus raises Lazarus, the very next heading is that the Pharisees want to kill Jesus. Jesus knows that by taking Lazarus out of the grave, he would put into motion a series of events that would end with him in the grave. Why did Jesus go to the grave? He went to the grave in order to defeat death. Jesus promises that one day, when he comes back, He will make all of the bad things in this world come untrue. It will be like being back with Adam and Eve in the garden, only better, because we will be with our God. The end of the the Bible promises that there will be a time with no more crying or mourning or pain. No more hospitals or hankies. No more sin or sadness. No more plasters or police. Because Jesus will make all of the bad things come untrue. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Mourn over their sin. Mourn over the state of the world because he will comfort us. The best place, the blessed place to be is a place where we say, I I hurt over the state of this world. But I know Jesus is going to fix it. And I know Jesus is with me through it. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I've talked enough. I'd love for you guys to do a bit more talking. So I've got some questions for you to think about, and I'd love you to think about these questions. I'll pop up on the screen in a moment. If you are under five, or you're talking with somebody who's under five, Jesus walked up to a woman who was sad. Why was she sad? If you were between five and seven, how did Jesus care for her. What can you think of two ways that he cared for her? If you're between 8 and 11, can you remember a time when you felt sad about how broken God's world is? And if you are over 11 years old, why can't sorry, we can't see Jesus. So it's hard to be certain that he's always comforting us when we're sad. What are the normal ways that God comforts us when we are mourning? What are the normal ways that God comforts us? Okay, you've got five minutes. Uh, The the questions, uh, I will repeat them once more um, so that we've we've heard them, and then we can dive into it. Uh, Under fives, Jesus walked up to a woman who was sad. Why was she sad? Fives to sevens, how did Jesus care for her? Can you think of two ways? Eights to elevens, can you remember a time when you felt sad about how broken God's world is? And over elevens, we can't see Jesus. So it's hard to be certain that he's comforting us when we're sad. 
What are the normal ways he comforts us? Off we go. Five minutes. Fantastic. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt your, your conversations at that point. It might be that that's prompted things that we can carry on talking about um, over our tea and coffee down in the hall after the service. So please do, um, so please do kind of keep those things uh, in mind. Um, we heard from Spike earlier. Spike, are you still around? Hello, everyone. Hello. How are you doing? Well, Ben, I... I still feel quite sad, but what you've told me has helped a lot. All right. How, how so? I know, I know that Jesus is sad with me, and, and I can pray to him and tell him how I feel. Yeah, and, and he knows how much you love your Cocoa Pops, uh, and he understands about your goldfish dying as well. And I know that Jesus... He'll forgive me for fighting with my brother. Do you know what, Spike? I'm really glad that we can both look forward to a day when Jesus gets rid of everything bad and sad forever. Thanks so much, Ben. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, Spike. Oh, my friends, there's, there's something in that, isn't there? Because blessed are those who mourn doesn't mean that we listen to this and go, oh, great, that's fine, I'm not mourning anymore. There's something about Jesus meeting us and walking with us and promising us that even when it feels like the world is still broken, he's on that high throne. He's still in control. And he will make all the bad things come undone. And therefore, one of the lovely things that we can do is we can talk to him and we can pray. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer and then Hillary's going to come and continue leading us in prayers. Father God, thank you so much for um, your word, the Bible. Thank you that Jesus promises us that those who mourn over our sin and the state of this broken world and who trust in him will be comforted. Help us to look forward to that day when sin and sadness will go away. Amen. Glory.